0: Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters and big apologies to everybody who wants uh, a live show Um, Every now and then I do have to have a social life, I do have to go out And uh, I am actually uh, out on uh, a Friday So unfortunately um, it's at my office and it's uh, a socially distanced soiree of about four people i think is going to be there me the landlord and uh, the uh, receptionist so it's within me work bubble um but literally that's why i couldn't do the show live so apology to everybody uh, normal service will be resumed uh, next week but uh, big good evening to steve hasty and to mitch uh, Great to see you lads um, As always plenty to talk about And um, got uh, maybe one or two guests lined up for tonight If they can make it at some point But uh, let's talk Covid first Mitch And uh, Covid um, hit Newcastle United big style We lost our game against Aston Villa and mm. as, as we said <laughs> Typical Newcastle to go first But, uh, but they did um, But it looks as if uh, the cloud is lifting And it looks as if we've got a game uh, on Saturday now
1: it certainly does. Um, you know, I, I get why people. some people are frustrated about um, numbers not being released and what have you, but obviously they're not going to release personal details of people's medical conditions. That's not going to happen unless they choose to do so themselves via their own personal social media. Um, I, I think it just shows how delicate the whole situation still is for sport. Like we said last week, you know, Denver Broncos had to play in. An, Play an entire game with no quarterback, and we could have been in that situation. We could have just been told by the Premier League, Do you know what? You've got 14 players and two goalkeepers crack on, on you go. Um, and, and I think it's quite fair that they haven't. Um, I think we're lucky that Crystal Palace haven't picked anybody up uh, any, any cases up after the game. Um, looking ahead to West Brom, uh, I think the only concern as such is that how how much training of the group had together but should that be terribly relevant for a group of professional footballers who sh- sh- theoretically should know what they're doing you know um mm-hmm. i think it's um it, it, it certainly is the tip of a potential iceberg uh i know brighton came close to having a game called off earlier on in the season and it just shows you how delicate it really is. And, and you know, if, if you look at, say, England's one day internationals have now been called off in South Africa on the basis of two potential positives, which turned out to be false positives. Um, but there was obviously some breakdown in their isolation, in their bubble or bubbles, um, if you will. And, and I think this won't be the first, it won't be the last this season, I don't think.
0: No, I think you're right And uh, as I say, hopefully Newcastle's got it out of the way And that can, uh, you know, that, that little particular episode can move behind me. But Steve, it's, um, I think, yeah, I mean, we all we all scratch our heads when Newcastle don't tell us things it's, it's the most frustrating thing at times, being a Newcastle fan Lack of communication from the owners and the powers that be uh, But yeah, it's probably simply down to the fact that, you know, medical records are, you know Private and um, you know some, you know Malcolm and uh, and um, Gibbo made the point yesterday's show about essentially you know the lads potentially maybe don't want the family Knowing kids they might have kids and if it's all over the newspapers that this player's got a. You know, this player's got an infection or whatever. Suddenly, it hits home that oh, there's an infection at the football club. You know, it's it's a kind of thing that we have to deal with as parents during a pandemic. So, you know, maybe maybe that is it's as simple as that. And you know, Newcastle are probably being criticised. Maybe it's a little unfairly on this occasion.
2: Yeah, I think so. You remember the days, guys, when we we used to find out the news at uh, half past three, four o'clock on a on a. On an evening when we were walking through town and picking up a chronicle you know that's what that's what it used to be like now we, we want to know every single thing immediately Everything if yesterday not yeah. yeah if not beforehand and yeah you're dead right Steve, when it comes to, to to putting stories out and you have to be very very careful we also have a lot more overseas players than than you know occurred in the past so you've got that you've got to think of the communication aspect and their families finding out on the media as you say before um the the players themselves would have even managed to 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 tell family members if they were you know um living in distant shows so it's and it doesn't really matter to us it doesn't make any difference to us whether whether player x player y or player z has tested positive you know it's it's not really our business to know um when it comes to that if it's if it's somebody's out with a with a hamstring injury or a, a an ACL or something like that, that's slightly different. um but with this and and like you say, with with everything that's been going on, the bubble, the breakdown in the bubble that, that may or may not have occurred. Um, the investigations that have to go on to find out what's caused it, the breakdown Um, you know there's a lot of fingers can be pointed a lot of directions As soon as you announce that one player has it and another player didn't we we know what social media would be like it, people would be saying oh they'd seen so and so at the chip shop they'd seen so and so at the local bookies or you name it and you know they'll be they'll be starting to investigate and querying which player was out which player wasn't out and um at, at the end of the day we've got a game on saturday a three o'clock kickoff Believe it or not, something, something. Not that it makes any difference to us, of course. But you know that that even even a three o'clock kickoff was a rarity uh, when we were going into St James's Park. Uh, never mind during these uh, COVID-infected times.
0: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Three o'clock kickoffs. I mean, it used to be the norm. Now you you struggle to uh, struggle to get one due to the uh, the way the TV and Sky in particular runs the uh, the fixture list. It uh, it really really is crazy. Um. Briefly going away from Newcastle and uh, just looking at the uh, the England uh, World Cup draw, um, found it you know found it quite interesting really in the sense that we got Poland again. I mean, I'd love to know the stats how many times we actually get Poland in World Cup draws. But we got Poland, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, San Marino. Um, that's as good as a bye Mitch isn't it? Really, that that group.
1: It should be, but you know, it, it, with with England like Newcastle, you never know. You're right about Poland, but I would add Hungary and San Marino into that. I think we, we pick out Hungary, San Marino and Poland. When I saw that draw, it was like, Christ, it, it's deja vu. We've, we've had all of those teams on multiple occasions. Poland yeah. seemed to be one we get frequently, uh, more frequently than the rest. But certainly Hungary and, and San Marino, we've had more than a fair share of as well. Um, I think you've got to look at, at, at current form. Um, in terms of a group you couldn't have asked for better I think, um, I don't think Poland are pulling up trees as, as second seeds Hungary certainly have waned in the last few years and then we've got a collection of teams that we really should see off with the C team, which might sound arrogant but let's be realistic look at what we've got in the squad at where availability, who we keep being told are world class players well, let's step up and see you do it Let's set, step up and say you put six past San Marino. Let's let's step up and say you put the second seeds in the group Poland away, twice home and away. And do do it with a bit of grace and a bit of bit of ease and a bit of class. Um and I don't think that's putting undue pressure on. I just think that's the realistic scene of it. You know, the the Polish league these days is not what it was. Um it's not full of very very strong teams. I was reading a the story about a lad who, um, six years ago was picking celeriac in in England because he, he it made him more money than playing football in Poland, and he's now the second top scorer in the Polish first division. You know, that's that's what we're playing. With no disrespect to them, because you got you got to say fair play to you for biting the bullet and saying we're not going to earn more money doing that in england than i can doing what i love but then he found his passion for football in england again which i think is a fabulous story i mean he won't be involved in, i'm sure he won't be involved in the polish national teams but you know it, it, that's this potential in quality that we've got there um it, it i i would never say it's as good as a buy but it's as good as we could have asked for that's for sure.
0: Definitely yes yeah. Steve I think Sam Marino always, ca- always cast back to the memories Of uh, uh, the guy who ended up I think I don't think he has to buy a pint In Sam Marino and I think he got a car for Scoring after about 35 seconds yeah. As he as he steamed steamed past Stuart Pearce who wasn't the quickest At the best of times and uh, Fired in fired in past Peter Shilton in nets to make it 1-0 to Sam Marino but I think the final score was 7-1 but um, yeah I mean that's, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind about That with Poland of course it's that in game in the seventies. I was I'm too young to remember it, but where the goalkeeper had been called a clown and went on to have the by, best by game Cluffy, yeah. Yeah. by Cluffy yeah, by went on to have the best game ever at Wembley. you know, it's it's the stuff that history's made up. But yeah, I, also my my memories of Paul and probably the earliest one is uh, Gary Lineker stroking in those goals as Peter Beardsley uh, ably assisted him in '86. You know what I mean? So there's so many. So many memories, but yeah, it's looking at that looking at that group and I'll just get it up again just so you know, Poland, obviously Hungary, Albania, Andorra, and San Marino is the group. Um, yeah, it, it I mean it looks like a formality for England.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I I remember the days when people talked about we're not having to play the likes of Andorra and San Marino. You know, there was gonna be a there was gonna be a competition where those those clubs played among themselves, or those countries played among themselves, and then we ended up. Uh, you know, the winners of a, of, a, of a smaller group would then come into the main draw because we had too many international games. Uh, now we're, we're in a situation where every international break now we seem to play three games instead of two. You know, three games into six days and things like that. But going back to going back to Poland, I mean, uh, you, that that infamous sort of 1973 in the qualifying for the '74 World Cup. Um, which was a, a strange World Cup in itself, um, and in a, 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 a demise of, of uh, the Brazilians at that particular time. You know, we saw probably the worst Brazilian team that had ever ever stepped on a football pitch during during that particular tournament. But uh, yeah, Tomaszewski and goal, who had the, the most amazing game. Um, I think it was uh, who was it was it uh, Leto or somebody like. I think he was called some strange name. Um, who who stroked the ball past, um, and and it was it was again it was it, it, both that game and the, the the following game mistakes you know mistakes by players I think it was Norman Hunter that was was caught uh, in possession on the half way line um, you know dilly dallying with the ball put his foot on it and then actually got tackled because he wasn't aware of what he was doing um, and then the lad went through and scored. And then I think, if I remember rightly, I think it was Poland that saw off Bobby Moore. Uh, I think we played Poland in, uh, in 75, I think, which was for the qualifying for the European Championships. Um, and I think, if my memory serves me right, both him and Alan Ball, I think, did Bolly get sent off? Or, you know, it was, it was, there was something strange happened there. Um, and I think, again, uh, Moore was caught in possession with the ball. And and the player went through and scored. And I think it was that point when the press turned on Bobby Moore and said he was finished as a footballer. Um, I think he left he left West Brom and uh, went West Brom went left West Ham, um went to home and ended up playing in the cup final. <laughs> but it uh, just goes to show how the how the press, when it comes to England, if you have a bad game, they'll destroy you, you know. Um in San Marino, of course, well, uh, as you say, Stuart, FPS, that infamous back pass. The shortest back pass I think you've ever seen. Uh, Certainly the back pass Mm without no power in it. And and a stranded Peter Shelton wondering what the hell was going on. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, they rallied and they ended up beating them 7-1 in the end. But uh, I I don't know about you two, but I, I have no interest in England qualifying games and stuff like that. Um, it's not until you get to the tournament that you start to pay any attention, and I think partly that's because of the number of ridiculous friendlies we've had to play recently as well. You know it, that once the tournament's over and you've you've, you've been disappointed, um, it it all just goes by the wayside. And it supporting Newcastle, supporting England, it's you know we're used to it now. We, you know it, it's, and I've always felt as though the that, that Newcastle results and England results. Um, tended to follow a sequence, a sequence of building you up to pull the car from under your feet. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean Lewandowski, there's your danger, man. Uh, you know, if, if he's on form for the polls and uh, we have a few injuries up front, you know, if Harry Kane wasn't playing, for example, or, or Rashford or, or one or two of the others, um, then we, we may suddenly find ourselves in a, in a bit of a precarious position. Um, especially if he's still on fire, because that guy, you know, for the last what four, five, six seasons, just being hammering goals in for fun. So yeah, maybe maybe that possible
1: games. <laughs> he's he's also like one of those players though. Like Poland seemed to have a world class player in every generation. Yeah, yeah. Only one, not a team full of them. You know, yeah. I, I think of, I, I think a Boniek.
2: I was just going who, to say who,
1: yeah, yeah. who are who, who I would put into any best World Eleven ever. For me, um, I used to love watching him play at UVA. Love watching him play any time I got the chance to. Um, but he played in a team that were also runs, and that's what Lewandowski is doing at the moment as well. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not playing at Bayern Munich when he plays with his national team. That's
2: so, right. You're right, and also when he's played for the national team. He hasn't exactly put in some sterling performances, has he? Certainly when they've got the championships, you know, he's disappeared, um, which is really strange whether he was carrying injury or played too many games. But uh, he's certainly
1: on fire. But I I also can't understand how we've ended up with San Marino and Andorra in the same group. You know, Andorra has got a similar population to Gateshead. (laughs) You know, realistically, um, and like Steve says, that the the, the float of this idea of a pre qualifying group that sometimes somehow got chucked out, um, and I don't understand that because really, realistically, in modern football now, what is the point of those games?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I just the pointless games where somebody's somebody's key centre forward or somebody's centre back could get injured in a stupid challenge by some kid from Andorra going over the top because he's just pumped up. You know, or they're they're doing journeys, depending on when the qualifiers are and depending on what the COVID situation is. You know, we were talking about our COVID situation, how how much of that might have been exacerbated by players being away on international duty and coming back. Because, you know, we've got a club doctor who's been at the cutting edge the prevention, and yet we're the first team to actually have a game called off for it. Yeah. So you know that, that you you've got to wonder where's it falling apart. And my my first first thing at the point is three bloody internationals in the in the middle of a week, and actually we were we were stamping my feet about Wilson and Darlow not getting a call up. It's probably a bloody, bloody good job they didn't
0: yeah. Talking about international football, we lost another legend this week And uh, again, very, very mm. young, uh, Paolo Rossi I mean, it uh, you, you doesn't get much better than a, a hat-trick uh, in international football But a hat-trick against Brazil, not many people have done that, lads No, No, no. And also, a hat-trick coming back after what
2: was a two-year ban um, um, you know, he, he hadn't played any football until about I think the band got cut short. It was going to be a three year band. It got cut short. I think he played for six months getting himself fit. He came into that World Cup and nobody expected him to be even playing for the Italians. Yeah. You know, I was surprised that he got picked and then a surprise that he got selected in in the first eleven. But he just clicked in that tournament, he, whether he had something to prove or I and mean, that showed the quality of the man. Um but he was just outstanding in that in that competition, yeah. you know um
1: absolutely but he was
2: a beautiful footballer he was it, it, at that particular time in the in the early 80s you know from about 80 79 80 82 and there was some fantastic footballers around in Europe but he was the highest paid footballer in the world that was that was amazing you know and yet, yeah. when you look at the players that, that were around him, um whether that was because of, of who we played for um, you know the fact that Italian football was really, really at the top of his game uh, financially at that particular point. But he was a he was a, a great player to watch. He could glide with the ball. He you know he he knew where the net was. And uh, I mean after his career was over, he had a, a fantastic career on Italian on Italian TV. You know it was sort of almost like not quite the Gary Lineker era of Italian football, but. Um, in in terms of media, but more like an you know. Alan Gira and 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 you know, giving his point of view over, and very articulate. Um, and it's very sad to hear at only 64 year old that uh, that he's passed away. And, and as you say, another great. You know, we're losing Maradona, and then you look back, and it's only a couple months ago that we lost in this country. We lost Jack Charlton as well. You know, so but, you know, I know we're all getting older, and we know you know that. But we tend to think of these players as not getting older. Well we remember the moments yeah. yeah um when they were when you they know. were when they were playing, you know. And taught, I, I, when it said that he was sixty four year old my first thought was what sixty right. four? Yeah, I, may, I didn't think he was that old. And then I looked back and yeah. thought, well he's eighty two and he was 22." and you know it's like that's the way it is, isn't it? You know, right.
1: no, that was that was the first World Cup I can probably remember watching games. You've heard me dad talk about his uncle Tom well, I used to go to his uncle Tom's after school when I was, you know, between a couple of certain ages, and he actually on at least three occasions come and got me from school early so we could watch games together, um, and and so that that tournament is is my first proper memory of watching a World Cup and getting in getting interested in the international teams and understanding who was who, and and Rossage was just like. I hadn't seen a striker like that before. You know, you, you expect to see stuff from the Brazilians, from the Argentinians that you haven't seen before, but Italy had this reputation of being, you know, the Cappenaccio, lock the back door, you play on the break, but he was just something unlike I'd ever seen before. It was fascinating to, to, to watch him. And, you know, that's where you fall in love with international football and international players. And seeing something different to what you see in the UK. in it's home in England, um, and yet yeah, it's, it's sad. You're right about him being like a, a media personality, wasn't he involved with uh, James Richardson at the very start of the Channel Four Italia coverage yeah. as well, yeah. you know, and 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 so made an impact. You know, was still making an impact. He's one of those players that in uh, Italian football, in spite of his misdemeanors. He was still worshipped, which sounds a lot like Maradona, doesn't it? And that probably is the measure of the player.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, We always uh, like to have guests on the show. And uh, last week we talked briefly about uh, uh, a subject that was in the news, which of course was dementia. And uh, got a lovely message from uh, a guy on uh, LinkedIn, Chris Packham. Uh, he was interested in our discussion on dementia, and uh, he said that he felt that the problem is a lot more serious than was discussed. Well, of course, we said last week none of us are doctors, and uh, we're always well. you know, happy to. You know, well, none of us are doctors about dementia. <laughs> but, uh, it's always, it's, all, it's always good to have people on. And Chris, um, we invited Chris onto the show to discuss it. So, good evening, Chris. How are you, mate? I'm um, fine, thanks, yeah. Um, That was great.
3: I was going to make some uh, general points and then pick up on what uh, Malcolm and uh, John Gibson said. Um, So, I mean, if you want to sort of interject and Steve and Mitch interject as well, that that would help
0: yeah no problem chris look just just for our just for our regular viewers uh, just give us a little bit of background i mean you're re- on your bio it said you were a researcher and a writer but is this is this something you've studied in your spare time or is it something you that, that you've you've studied in your like a, a professional capacity um this stuff about
3: football interventions uh hobbies so yeah spare time thing okay um, I, good stuff i do have a, do have a background in our know, research and i did train as a teacher um so i mean i don't know whereas your sort of background might be acting and stuff like that in these sort of podcasts um i'm very much into uh research and sort of looking into things great stuff go on then fire away chris we'll, we'll sit and listen I'm, I'm looking forward to it okay um yeah i mean i didn't realize actually quite how serious this football and uh, dementia problem was and um, we goes back to the uh, the mid 90s i read about um, danny Blanchflower. I think he died in 1993. so i read about him and then i read about jeff Astor in 2002. um but it wasn't until early 2017 when i read about chris sutton's dad who's got dementia um and there was also an article about um brandy chastain who's the uh, american woman's football player and she'd actually um uh decided that she was actually gonna um donate her brain to science. So I really sort of picked up on it in early 2017. I realised quite how serious this was. Um and then I looked into it a bit more and I realised that there's a whole range of teams that have um, had players with dementia. You've got the Aston Villa team, I think they won the FA Cup in nineteen fifty seven. You've got the Tottenham team I think they won the League and the Cup 1961. You've got the Liverpool team of nineteen sixty four and then, of course, you've got the England team of 1966. Um, just recently read about this Burnley team. I think they won the league in 1960. And seven out of the 11 players have had dementia. I mean, that, that gives you some sort of indication about what, how serious this is. Um, it's also another article I was reading in the mail. talks about um, 500 players possibly, 500 professional players, I assume, having dementia. So, yeah, I mean, that, that gives you um, uh, an indication of the scale of the problem. I mean, the problem is now if you've got players in the 70s. Um, think of uh, John Tudor and John McNamee. They've been mentioned in the Chronicle. So you've got two players from the early 70s who played for Newcastle um, uh, with a diagnosis of dementia so in my
0: guess is you're going to get players in the 70s 80s and 90s having this problem what do you what do you think it is then chris i mean you know are we saying that heading the ball is something which is causing dementia because malcolm and john's opinion about this was people get dementia when they get older and you know i suppose what we need to find out is um you know is 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 heading a football going to you know increase the problem is it gonna is it gonna create the problem what's what's actually you know what you know what is actually the cause of it and i suppose until we get to the root cause of it then we're not gonna you know we're not gonna know whether football heading a football enhances it i'm a professional boxing promoter uh, that's one of the hats that i wear um yeah, yeah. i would i would say then surely Anyone who gets punched in the head on a regular basis, and I mean, let's let's think about professional boxing here for a moment. Um, professional fighters probably go anything from, say, 15 fights. Those who, who have a good career go from 15 fights maybe up to 35 on average. So one would imagine there would be a lot of boxers and retired boxers who would, who would probably have dementia. So I suppose that would be a good place to start because... I would say that a, pun- a punch into someone's head or regular punishment in someone's head is going to is is, is going to be quite damaging. Would you would you agree on that? Um, the only
3: thing I know about boxing is that there's a um, scientist in America called, called um, Anne McKee and she's looked at I think American footballers' brains, but also one boxer's brain. Um, Paul Penter. I Do not know if you've heard of Paul Penter. No, no, she's I haven't. He won a um, version, I think won the um, middleweight title against Sugar Ray Robinson about 1960. Right. And his wife actually donated his brain um, to science. I think he died in 2002. And I think it was 72 then. And so that's perhaps the only, or one of the only cases we've actually got of a boxer with dementia. And the, the scientists actually being able to really look at it and examine it in detail. And she's almost said, uh, this is my sort of, I think they call it like a case zero, where you can ca- uh, compare all other cases against this. Um, I mean, the, the trouble is, is that, I think it's the same with football, that you haven't really got the brains to, um, to look at. And that's what this uh, Will Stewart, who's the uh, scientist in Glasgow, is trying to, well, trying to get, he needs more brains to look at, to really to, um, well, find out the extent of the problem. I mean, going back to what you were saying about football, I think there's two things. I think you've got the, uh, the head impacts, like you had the recent um, collision, which is the uh, Raul was it Ralph Jimenez and uh, David Luiz? Yeah. And then you had a similar collision, um, Ryan, was it Ryan Mason and uh, Gary Cahill yeah. a few years ago? So you've got those sort of collisions. I mean, you've got elbows to the head, head-to-head contacts, that sort of thing. So you've got that sort of range of um, head impact, then you've got the heading itself. Um, I mean, I'll pick up on a point that uh, John Gibson made about the, uh, the heading of the ball. Um, I mean, you need to look at the, uh, the speed of the ball in particular, you need to look at the, um, the force that's actually impacted on the, uh, the footballer's head. So if, you, if you've got the weight of the ball, you've got to multiply that by the speed squared. And then that gives you the force. so you've you've really got to look at this sp- look at the um the speed of the ball. Um, the old heavy ball may not have actually been traveling very fast. Um, I mean there's a, there's a goal which uh, Jeff Astle scores. The ball's coming over for, like over from the left and then he heads it. It doesn't actually look as though it's actually traveling that fast. So the force or the impact of that uh, header may not have actually been that great. Um, I mean, it could actually be that the newer ball um, is just as much of a problem because it's it's traveling through the air really quickly. Um, The force actually could be higher than the older ball, especially if you've got um, uh, players who are fitter and are able to sort of run faster and pick the ball quicker. That actually could be a problem um, in terms of the impacts and the uh, consequent brain injury um it's so in- my, my, my concern would be that the uh, the current footballers um could even be at a greater risk because of the uh, the speed of the ball and more, more force on the uh, players' head
0: So That's
2: yeah. Interesting.
0: yeah it is go on steve give us your give yeah. us your views on what you've heard Great. And, and chris, I just want to thank you for your, for you know, for you're your very clear um you know description of that but also your research and offering to come on the show steve yeah. it, it throws it throws up an interesting debate there was a fantastic show uh done was it last year or the year before by alan shearer looking at this he was one of the first big professional footballers to take this seriously we've heard obviously chris has mentioned it jeff Astle, uh the chris sutton situation with his father um, you know, and now obviously, you know Bobby Charlton. Um, you know it, it hit him. It hit it hit Jack Charlton. Um, you know, th- you know, is it something we need to be looking at a lot more at? Is it something that the Premier League, the PFA, you know, should be looking at more clearly now? It's certainly something that
2: the PFA should be looking at, and I think that's one of Chris Sutton's big big gripes and I think he, he was on a committee and he, he's walked away from that committee because he feels as though um, the head of the PFA, the chairman, uh, Taylor, hasn't taken it seriously. Um, I Chris, think he's
1: about it, as much it, use as a box of bloody like, well he is, yeah. exactly. guard, isn't he?
2: Exactly. I mean, what you're saying about the football there, uh, Chris, the, the speed of the ball is very, very interesting because most people just think of the weight of the ball um, and everybody goes on about the heavier football. It? I think the weight of the football, it, it remains exactly the same. Um, as it as it was back in the day, the fact that it just got wet during a game because it was made out entirely out of leather, and how much dubbing you had placed on that ball to, to keep it uh, from from absorbing uh, the damp and the water off the pitch or in the rain. But what what's also interesting is that I think one of one of Chris Dutton's gripes was not just the very the very aspect of the injuries that have been sustained, but the lack of any decency from the pfa towards care for those particular people providing the care that those players need and the support that their families have needed you know these families have just been left to their to their own devices if you like and i think it's only now with the pressure of the likes of of uh, of chris sutton um, seeing what happened to his father and um, jeff Astle's daughter who's run an amazing campaign um, where we're actually saying not just that I and mean, then i watched a program just the other day i was on the on the on the national news of a, of a player an, an old gentleman from i think it was scunthorpe that he played for um and he was in his 70s and it was obvious that he had dementia and, and his daughter was saying we have absolutely no support whatsoever from the pfa from the from his union he's paid his subs all the way through his life and got received have received absolutely no help with any of the daycare or any arrangements like that, or, you know, the PFA hasn't put anything in place um, to support the families. Um, and the, 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 those families are just left to the NHS and they're left to the local authority um, in the same way as it would be if it had happened to to, to you or I or, or, or Mitch or Steve, where we had this illness simply because of, of, um, of, of unfortunate circumstances, uh, Metaphysically or biologically or whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, but the speed of the ball, I mean, that's a fascinating one. It's something I've never, ever um, heard before. And and I'm, I'd be interested in what Mitch's uh, opinion of, is, it? you know, especially from a medical side.
1: Different types of impact, Steve. Yeah. And this this is the thing. When you, when you look at brain injury, um, it, what you've got to think of is your brain's a jelly in a box. And if you slap that box, that jelly wobbles and that causes damage. Um, and that's, that's the basis of concussion, for starters. And if you were to have a jelly in a box and give the box a slap, look how long it reverberates for after you've slapped it. And that's part of the problem with brain injury. Um, and so, and it's why I've been involved in the study, looking at American football and, and mouth guard use as part of the concussion protocols is does a mouth guard a properly fitted mouth guard reduce concussion because the, the theory is if you get tackled playing american football that's your first impact your second impact is you hitting the ground and then your third impact is your teeth clattering against each other and jamming your jaw to the base of your skull and giving a third impact onto the brain while it's already wobbling like hell and and so they're looking at, at ways that to stop that Potentially that could be the difference between you getting a concussion or not. Um, Speed of impact is something else that probably creates a different type of impact injury. For me, we need really good data. The first thing we need is to say, right, we've got all these football teams with all these players who are getting dementia. As humans, we are programmed to look for patterns. We'll look for patterns in numbers and actually part of true randomness are patterns and and so we sometimes assign patterns to things that we just shouldn't assign to um so the first thing we need to ascertain is are these numbers within these teams significantly different statistically to the general population of people who get dementia and that's the first port of call and that's probably the most easiest one to do to say right are these guys now at a higher risk of dementia before you start looking at why then you come to the why is it speed of impact Is it type of impact is it the ball type is it whatever um i'll tell you why they should get interested in it though Is a there's a, a body both the fa the pfa uefa fifa bearing in mind i've spoke at a fifa medical conference And I know how hard it is to get them interested in anything. It's super hard, unless you're one of their relatives or you've got a ton of cash in your back pocket. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. Um, and, And so we need to get them interested because if you look at Rugby Union at the moment, there's currently a class action being made against various rugby football unions by former players. One of them, Steve Thompson, World Cup winner. Who claims he can't remember any one of his games in the World Cup he won? Wow. Can't remember any of them. And that was Um,
2: 2013. That was 2003.
1: Sorry. Uh, And and you've got a 41 year old ex Welsh international flanker who has early onset dementia. And if you look at some of the games he's played where he's taken severe blows to the head and played on that needs investigated. A lot of these things are super complicated. I look at something like, and obviously, as you guys know, I have a very personal interest in something like Alzheimer's and um, I know there's, there's actually dental links to Alzheimer's from my job is that there's a statistical link between active gum disease and Alzheimer's disease. And it's all about inflammation. So there's another complication. Are these guys more prone to brain injuries of a different type because of other injuries or conditions they pick up in, the, in, the, in, in their day-to-day training, injuries, playing, what have you? Some of these things are super complex, and, and, it, and it really does need filtered out. But for me, the first protocol has got to be, let's look at the data in terms of general population versus professional footballers. And if there's a statistically significant increase, and, and I know it certainly sounds like there is anecdotally without actually having s- statistics with active pay numbers that prove it. Um, it, it and, and certainly if you were to push me on it, I'd say, yeah, there's there's something going there that we we'll really have to investigate rather urgently. Because yeah. why, why, why are American football doing so much about concussion at the minute? because they're waiting to be hammered by a load of class-action lawsuits. Yeah. Why are the rugby football l- union now jumpy? Because there's a class-action lawsuit coming. And there'll be a big one from the professional footballers eventually. And everybody in football, including the PFA who've done absolutely nothing about it, you don't even seem like the key, um, they could be on the receiving end of it too, because you didn't look after our players. And so, you know, it, it's something we really need to look at. The other factor that everybody's talking about is, is it because you're introducing heading too young? Do you introduce heading above a certain age or below a certain age? Um, and, and because young development brains are very different than mature adult brains in terms of how they suffer injury and also how they recover from injury. And again, I've got another personal reason to, 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 to be interested in that. And having seen how somebody I know recovered from um, a, a brain condition, almost like magic, when he was given the right treatment. Yeah, and, good and, stuff. And, and 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 I think if I was given that treatment, I wouldn't recover that way because I'm nearly fifty.
2: Yeah.
1: But, but, you know, be- and, and so there's there's these things are never simple. They're yeah. never black and white. There's so much grey in there, and and what this what we we'll have to do is have a dedicated team of people who know what they're where they're at in terms of a a medical position know where they're at in terms of statistical and research position and devise a set a set of um parameters whereby they analyze all of this and start to filter some of the stuff out so it becomes easier to come to a definitive conclusion that says this is this is statistically totally right this is what's going on and this is how we need to combat it because these things are so emotive dementia such an emotive thing watching somebody disappear in front of your eyes, where they're still living and breathing must be one of the hardest things to watch. Must be one of the hardest things to live with day in, day out. And no wonder it's emotive. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you guys know where I'm coming from on that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we need the data. We need the data and we need somebody within football to be interested enough in getting that data and that's where it's fallen down for me at the moment i
2: I think what what we also need to do is we need to make sure that we don't get deflected from football by the comparisons to other sports We mentioned boxing right at the start steve and you you know as well as i do in boxing that boxers the majority of time in training are protecting themselves or are are doing training in in a particular way um even if they're wearing a head guard um, they're very rarely getting punched in the head continuously. Unlike the footballer who is spending potentially hours and hours on the football pitch every week um, in training, heading the football, totally unprotected. So, it, it, the whole idea of boxing is to avoid having your head hit yes. it's not to be it's not to be hit the head you know um, yeah. that kind if, of loses
1: you know, your fights really yes
2: right. you're also <laughs> wearing, you know you're being hit by someone wearing a 12 ounce glove and you're avoiding it and you're moving and being hit at the same time um, but it's only in the fight itself in the majority of times that you're getting you're getting hit in the head whereas the footballer it's it's six days a week in training two hours a day running around heading the ball continuously practicing practicing with defending corners uh, defending free kicks attacking free kicks attacking corners um so we, we shouldn't we, we, whatever happens they've got to make sure that they don't try and just run comparisons and hide behind another sport whether it's football whether it's rugby um boxing um american football or any other sport where head injuries i i, I read even yeah. a young girl who was in a in a, a not a bobsleigh but one of those uh you know down on the tea tree and um, sliding down a track and she suffers from um from a brain injury and yeah. um, because she actually lifted her head two centimeters higher uh, than she should have when she was going around the track you know on a on a tea tree leaning back yeah. with your head up trying to look where you're going you know
1: the other challenge we've got in football is how FIFA, FIFA's medical, medical committee work. And again, I've had a little bit of insight into that about how they report injuries and what they think of as injuries. If you go to a player assessment chart, FIFA's name is all over one of the player assessment charts. You can, you can Google it, go and find it. It's a PDF form. You download it. It's got Glasgow Coma Scale Assessment on it. and it's got two or three other assessment scales on it. It should take 10 minutes to do. There's absolutely no way that David Luiz had a 10-minute assessment during that game when he had the head injury. Not at all. He was back on with a magic sponge and a bandage on his head within about two minutes. So he hasn't had that. And so I had doctor friends of mine saying, hey, I've got this form. It's got FIFA on the top. What's going on there? And FIFA basically would turn around and say, yes, we endorsed this um, assessment and we've passed it on to the other bodies and they should be enforcing it. UEFA will say, yeah, we've passed it around all the FAs under our jurisdiction. Well, it's up to them to enforce it. Premier League will say, yeah, we got that assessment thing. We've given it all the clubs, it's up to the clubs to endorse it. And they just pass it on down and pass it on down and pass it on down. The other thing they don't do is if they only record an injury, if it forces you to miss the next training session, which is why in my field of sports dentistry, often many of the injuries are underreported because they can train at the next session so it doesn't get reported massively underreported actually so for example when Shola yamiobi put um oh, what is his name the big tall lad peter crouch yeah. shorla put peter, peter crouch's teeth into about six different positions um crouch play, crouch trained at the next training session Not reported, not reported. And you've just got to watch the pictures of him walking off the pitch, minus a tooth and with three others in about 12 different angles. You know, and you can see, you don't have to search hard for it. Just Google the picture, you know, and, 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 but that wasn't reported as an injury. And God knows how many um, concussions or concussion type injuries or brain injuries or head injuries have just gone massively underreported. And that's the flaw in how football runs and manages injuries. They're only interested in muscular injuries that'll keep you out for six weeks. They're not interested in something that might make you feel a bit giddy for a few minutes, but actually might turn you into a vegetable about 20 years down the line.
2: Because it wasn't reported as well, Mitch, he ended up getting Shergard's teeth, didn't he?
1: Well, I've got to say, I would love to have five minutes in a room with a dentist that did that. (laughs) <laughs> so that's another matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, um, fantastic debate. And, um, you know, you've heard what Mitch and, and Steve have had to say. Anything you would like to add to that before we uh, say goodbye to you? Yeah, I've got a few
3: more bits to add, actually. I mean, Mitch was talking about the um, dates. Well, I mean, there was this big study from Glasgow University. And they're talking about Alzheimer's disease and former footballers being five times more prevalent, Well in Europe being four times worse. Parkinson's twice as worse and dementia generally being um, about three and a half times as bad. Okay. So,
1: and they're, uh, they're the studies we need more of Chris. We need yeah. loads of data like that to turn I mean, around. Cause that's the that only thing the footballers the uh, football authorities are listening to is if somebody has got a pile of papers like this and goes,
3: read that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was a really big study. I mean, proper referee paper, you would have thought that um, more would have been uh, made out of it, you know?
1: no it's, it's not how to work chris it's not how to work mate yeah you've yeah. got to, you've got a strong on them you've got to go in we had as, as as sports dentists there was a group of six who were the first ever dentists to speak to a fifa medical conference and it was here in dubai 2017 2018 um and that took us three years to set up. three years of badgering and haranguing and providing data and providing numbers and providing assessments. That's how it work. Mm. That, and, and you've got to bully them. You've got to put them in a position where they can't say no, where they can't deny what you're putting in front of their nose is real. And that's the problem we've got, Chris, is, is I love the stuff you're putting out here because that's the stuff I love with, with my geek head on. When I, when I get sent data from my mate, Thanos in, in, in Athens, who is currently working with Olympiakos, Panathinaikos and Atromatos, and he sent me some data to analyse a couple of weeks, well, a couple of months ago, and, and he wouldn't tell us what the data was, he just wanted me to analyse the numbers and say, is this data right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out the data was uh, professional footballers with impacted woods and teeth are 25% more likely to get a hamstring injury and we don't know why <laughs> but the, the data made sense and and this is the thing we need somebody somewhere to start to do these these sort of statistics on a massive scale so you can turn around the fifa and go bang there you go there's the data get on it you can turn around the premier league and go there's the data you need to be looking into this now before a group of players turn around and sue you for millions of pounds because that, yeah, I mean, that
3: that's the point I I ag- that's Chris,
1: the point I, Chris I agree totally
3: I mean it's going to end up in the courts it's going to be a of course wild. it is it's I mean it's science, but that, that's where it's going I mean this was a big study this Glasgow study I mean thousands of people I mean I think yeah, it's 3 years but, I mean I think they're talking about but it's
1: still them. one and that's the problem Chris it's yeah. still one
3: but I mean if if you've got 500 professional players in England and Wales then
1: um, a similar study in England and Wales is going to be similar, isn't it? Y- you'd think so. Yeah. But we, we, but we need the data analysed with P numbers less than 0.001 or something like that to really turn around to them and go, you can't argue with this data when it's one study, the will. But, I
3: mean, and I know, well, I, and yeah, I know yeah. the
1: will. <laughs> From personal experience, I know the will. Um, well, and I think and, and this that. is the thing, that.
3: Yeah. And, and, and,
1: and so it, it, if we've got somebody like you who can troll through where the data's coming from and pull stuff together that says right we've now got a body of evidence once you've got a body of evidence it's pretty hard to argue against because that's where modern medicine should be coming from is from a point of view of evidence so if you've got an absolute pile of it people haven't got an argument you can't see no and 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 that's the kind of thing so we maybe as a fan as a group of fans around the world we maybe need to be going to more places and more medical institutions and maybes idiots like me you know people in medical professions who are passionate about football should be turning around with our colleagues and saying hey we need to more do more about this we need to see more about this this is this is not just interesting data this is important data because as we've seen from some of the oral health studies and 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 sport there's actually data then you can pull out of that and apply it to the general population too. Mm. You know, we've now got data on oral health and general health that if you take an elite group athlete and make them orally fit, they perform better. It, that's a statistical fact. And, and the data that came out of that could then turn around and say, actually, we've got all these associations between oral health and general health and some of these things can apply to the population. So a a male between the age of 25 and 54 who's got Acne's gum disease is twice as likely to have a heart attack. And that came out with sports dentistry data. That didn't come out with other data that came from the guys looking at the sports dentistry data going, hang on a minute, what's this connection? And then it went off in another direction. And that's exactly the kind of thing. We could be taking data like this in the, in the, in the football field, looking at dementia and brain injury and saying right where does this go in the general population how will we apply this to the general population where are the links where are the associations where are the and i don't care whether something is directly causative a a, a strong association or a general link if there is an association that is significantly statistically associative with another condition we need to act on it. We need that. And, and, and I'm not here as a general practitioner to worry about whether it's directly causative or just a general association. You need to deal with it. You need to get it out of the equation. And that's exactly what we need to be doing with this sports data. And that's why people like you digging through the archives, digging through data, pulling up papers are so important because it's these voices that eventually sometimes lead somewhere.
3: Well, I mean, I've
1: I've been on a bit of a rant again. Sorry.
3: (laughs) um, An article in the mirror and it's talking about some study from 1966. Mm. Um, I mean, I've got something else in the mail. I mean, it talks about um, players from the 65, 66 season. And apparently um, dementia was a factor in 42% of their deaths. I mean, that's just a newspaper study. um,
1: It warrants further investigation. And this is what we need.
0: It's fascinating stuff, Chris. Um, I want to thank you for reaching out, mate. And I think yeah, we should yeah. keep in touch. Yeah. And I think as yeah. as as things, I think as things pro- as things progress, uh, or or if you stumble across another gem like you have uh, tonight, then I think you could just give us a shout, and we're more than happy to have you back on, Chris. But if you can, if you don't mind coming on and uh, uh, talking about this in in the future, that would be great yeah, to keep in touch. Fun, great fun, stuff, Chris. Chris, have a good Christmas, mate. Take care, and thanks for reaching yeah. out. Brilliant, Chris. Thank you, Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. Great to have Chris on. Um and just shows you when you you talk about something on NUFC matters, people do listen and they do reach out and it's always good to get um, you know, someone who's clearly, Mitch, put a lot of hard work and effort into in, into that particular field and I'm, by his own I'm, admission, I'm, he's not an expert, but he's he's just he's he's doing what we've been doing with the takeover for the last six months. <laughs> could,
1: could I tell you now, probably somebody who's done more 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 insight and research than some of the bloody sports <laughs> medicine <laughs> individuals involved in the premier league because to be BFB. honest with you that's so hard to get through to i can't express how hard yep. that is Thanos, who's the the chair of the european academy of sports dentistry and and, and i work quite closely with with Thanos. um he took three years to get us into WIFI for a fifa medical con-, con conference even though we had some ridiculous data and s- superb data we had to not just knock on the door we had to kick the bloody thing in you know If we'd had a generous sponsor I think we'd have been straight in
0: Yeah, great stuff um, hmm. we are we, we, Listen, we will have Chris back on again Fantastic insight Please, uh, and, and we will thank him for that And, uh, and maybe he's introduced you to on, uh, on LinkedIn as well, mate He's on there and it would be good for you to keep in touch with him I think
1: I'm I'm not anymore. It's it's oh, just not. become some sort of weird Facebook thing out here and I can't be asked with it. Ah, no, bro,
0: I, I, keep forgetting, I, I keep forgetting I keep forgetting you're not in the heart of Newcastle anymore, mate. I keep forgetting. Um We are trying to get Billy Costine on Who's an author and he's a good friend of ours And um, he was going to come on And plug his book but he's having technical issues Trying to get on and uh, he did a book Called The Flight of a Magpie Uh, There it is there, that's the cover And uh, that was available in the back page Uh, And he's done another one called My Chinese Experience Which is a personal story So uh, interesting um, And and hopefully we will be able to get him on At some point Uh, but he is struggling with the technology And I'm not sure why so If we can get him on in the next half hour We will Um, As this was pre-recorded On Thursday uh, We do have some rather tragic news And uh, anyone who's on Twitter uh, Will be well aware of Martin Um, And Martin uh, reached out for help On Twitter Uh, Put a rather distressing message on uh, The other night to say that um, He was thinking about taking his own life And uh, I'm sad to say uh, That Martin has passed away uh, This evening uh, on Thursday, so uh, Martin was a Newcastle fan, I didn't know him personally um, but obviously like a lot of the Newcastle United fans on, on Twitter and on social media, we all reached out to him, we all gave uh, or tried to give him some advice as to what to do uh, but um, unfortunately uh, Martin has made it, uh, you know made his own choice and is no longer with us, so um, rest in peace Martin, uh, Newcastle United's heaven has another Newcastle fan up there and and uh, let's uh, hope that his family um are okay and uh they can get through this tragic tragic time it's never a good time to lose a loved one but on the build-up to christmas it's not good so uh, uh rest in peace martin absolutely steve absolutely that's
2: why there'll be a game changer program that the new United foundation run it's so important you know encouraging encouraging men who have issues to talk and yeah you know, i we we can't we can't say enough about that program. Um, it's there. Um, some great people involved in it. Some great fans who have gone through their own personal issues with it uh, in their own in their own personal circumstances, who are supporting it. And uh, it, it's a it's a it's a, a tremendous um, organisation. It's a tremendous uh, campaign that the that the foundation are running. So, if there is anyone out there who is struggling um needs to reach out wants to reach out um please do so through the be a game changer program just on the foundation website just link to the new united uh own club website um and there's plenty of people on twitter if you put be a game changer in um who are there as counselors to give you the help and support um that they would would be more than help uh, sort of want to want to give um because that's what it's all about please reach out please reach out if you have any problems
4: Pete. yeah I, it I,
1: is. I, I, yeah can I add there's what? also enough got there's enough gobshites like us on twitter on youtube on social media who are quite happy to have their dms open to anybody who needs to reach out and we all will whether it's us whether it's the lads and lasses of Gallagher shots whether it's the lads and lasses at the trust or true faith, whoever, whoever you feel comfortable putting a hand out to, I don't think the hand will be battered away. It will always be reached out to because that's what we do as a fan base. When push comes to shove, we're there for each other and that's the way it should be. Well
2: said, Mitch, well said
0: yeah it's uh it's tragic uh you know tragic to hear of anyone you know having to go through that and as you say yeah um we're all here we we're all you know very very contactable and um you know just a, a tragic a tragic end to uh to that story which uh i think a lot of the um, newcastle united fan base were involved with in some way or form this week and um, like we said please uh, reach out if you are feeling uh, down or depressed and uh, like we did all of last month we had our phone a friend campaign yes Um, I kind of emphasize how important it is to keep in touch with people during this pandemic Um, Steve I want to talk a little bit about the food bank Um, we were up there this week Um, To hand over 500 pounds to the Newcastle West End Food Bank Uh, That was the money from the uh, Lee Clark uh, Christmas do which unfortunately didn't go ahead due to COVID Uh, But yes me and you popped up there socially distanced uh, And and handed over 500 pounds which people left in which was very very kind of them Um, So yeah Steve I will play the video in a minute But uh, how's things going at the food bank when we were up there Wow um, I think First of all, I was amazed at how many people were there just to drop things off and donate Um, Again, you know, it's tragic that we have to rely on food banks in this day and age Uh, But there was a lot of people there as well, you know, going up to get, you know, essential items That's right, yeah, Um, and the the thing is that that nobody's
2: immune from this, Steve, you know Um, People who have been working, you know, all their lives, suddenly being hit by uh, Covid, suddenly being uh, lost their jobs um and it, there's always been a, a a situation right across the country where very very few people have had the opportunity to save money so you can last for a, you know a short, only a very very short period of time before you then start to struggle and um you know we all know that everybody's circumstances are different but we're seeing more and more um demand for the food bank um seeing more and more families um struggling um and the fact that we have a food bank uh, out there, it does abhor me at times, the fact that as a community, we need to have people having to rely on that. There's a campaign being, that's been started um, nationally uh, by Ian Byrne. Ian Byrne's a, an MP for uh, Liverpool West Derby. And Ian um, says that everybody should have the right to food. And I don't think there's anyone in this country who could deny that. Everybody should have the right to food. And what Ian's trying to do is he's trying to have that put into legislation. He's trying to have that put into law that everybody should have a right to food. And that's something that we're backing um, as part of of our um, involvement with the fans' food banks. And there are now fans' food banks in a number of football clubs um, right across the country. And there's there's an excellent food bank being run um, in Newham with uh, for west ham fans by west ham fans for their community and um, there's work being done with manchester city fans manchester united fans Leeds united Huddersfield, Burnley, um, and the list goes on and on um and to a man or woman when we've sat and we've had zoom meetings talking about this and, and and trying to help each other and passing on ideas to to a man and woman we've all said that we wish we didn't have to do this we wish we weren't having these room calls we wish that the situation was such that everybody was being supported by the state and everybody was getting what they needed. But unfortunately, that's not the situation. Um, the whole benefit system, um, the way it operates now, it's not like when either of us two or us three may have, may have had to rely on when we've left, who signed on the door or something like that. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's not the boys from the black stuff anymore. Sometimes you can wait 12, 13 weeks for them to get benefits. Um the benefits people think that you, you get everything, you don't. You you get the bare minimum to live on, you know? And um, it, it affects families, it affects single parents, it affects multiple families, uh, families that live with grandparents, and so it goes on. So while it's while it's there and the demands there and the West End Food Bank is, is being supported by Newcastle fans in the manner that they is, then it just shows what community is all about. Bill who everybody knows, Bill Corcoran, he has his big flag with dignity written on. And uh, that's what it's about, giving people back their dignity. Mm -hmm. And we as a community, um, probably owe that to each other to make sure that we all stand there dignified. And, you know, if that means, if that means we need to badger and casual and demand things from politicians and demand work to be done at government level, then so be be it. And that's what, that's what Ian Byrne is, is trying to do with the legislation he's trying to bring in. And it's what it's what Rob Daniels and, and uh the lads in at Everton are doing as part of fan supporting food banks. That's where we got our inspiration from. Um because they 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 realise there was a need in their community. Um, just if you can support them, they're looking for volunteers, they're looking for drivers, they're looking for people who can who can do drop offs and pickups of food from that are being donated from places where perhaps they haven't got the transport. Uh, they're looking for food donations and they're looking for cash donations. So there's plenty there that we can do as a community to, to just keep this going. Uh, and especially while the, the pandemic is very much upon us and we're stuck in level three and more and more people are losing jobs, being made redundant, um, or are on furlough schemes um and struggling financially, Steve.
0: Yeah, okay, we well, are going to play the uh, the video uh, that was put out by the uh, the food bank uh, this week, but uh, please help them if you can.
4: Hi, everyone, Newcastle Western Food Bank. We thanks for all your help and the local community. The recording is brilliant, so um, I wish you a Merry Christmas and happy year.
0: It was a pleasure to,
4: to see you. I have a really good memory when I go to the food bank, so I just want to say to you, Merry Christmas and I miss you a lot. To everyone involved
2: with the Food Bank, we just want to say congratulations on all the great work you've been doing. Um,
4: We hope you have a great Christmas, stay safe and hopefully we'll be able to see you soon. It's a difficult time for the Food Bank in general because uh, they rely on a lot of donations uh, to be able to provide food for people who cannot afford or people that are in very desperate situations Um, and as I said, usually with matches and things like that they get a lot of donations uh, so it's been a bit difficult with no one being allowed to go to games but they have been seemingly getting a lot of donations um, from a lot of you know nice general public and um, a few of the lads have been down there also with um, packages to, to help out and the more that anyone can do to help no um, matter how small
0: or big um, will be um, sufficient and would be helping them out a great deal. Great stuff, fantastic work and it's a great video that Steve isn't it? it's a great video and,
2: and we didn't ask for that, you know, the, the the lads put that together themselves. And all those players and many you others know, have supported the food bank um since we started it. You know, Isaac was is there right at the very, very beginning uh, and has been excellent. Um other members of the of the, of the club, um, you know, the backroom staff, um the directors, um executives uh, all the way through the under twenty three squad they've they've come down on match days before. Um they've come down with Ben Dawson and the rest of the, the rest of his coaching staff and they've been there on strawberry players. Probably probably people thought they were they were just scared when they walked down, you know, but it's, it's, you know it's, I've seen all of those players. Uh I've seen Paul Dummett turn up on a on a Saturday. Uh, we have you know past one, two o'clock on a Saturday if so he hasn't been involved in the first team. Um, Alien was up there not long after he turned up with Newcastle United um, because he knew, you know, from a from a community point of view, um, how important it was and how how much he wanted to put back into his community, and um, because he knew what it was like in the community he lived in 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 France, um, and, and, and and both Longstaffs have have just turned up, um, like like other players have, and just dropped off a little plastic bag with food in. Um few tins, um little cash donation, and just waved and said, All right, just like <coughs> excuse me, just like you or I have done Steve on a match day. Um no publicity, not wanting you know, no fuss, no fanfare, uh no TV cameras or anything like that. Just walked up, just said hello, can I leave this with you and off they went. And that that that's the measure of, of the first team squad. That's the measure of the footballers that we have that, that, that turn up and, and play for Newcastle United. And, and it's a measure of the executives um, within that football club as well at times. Um, and there's a lot goes on behind the scenes that you know they get an awful lot of criticism for. Um, but there's an awful lot that they do in the community that, that just goes mm. uh, unsung. And I think, you know, especially at this time of year, um, we need to think about that. Uh, and we need to, to give praise where it's due.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Steve, um, Steve that, on,
1: that ties in with something I said on Twitter through the week about no matter what you think of the owner within the club, there are still some really good people who do really good things for us. Yeah. Um and I got a little bit of criticism for that, which, which I understand actually, because that's the way the, the whole divisive nature of the club's been run almost over the twelve last twelve years, certainly is is where it goes, but there are still some really good people inside the club that care and that includes some to be fair, most of the playing playing squad. Yeah. And 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 they do things for you guys without being asked about it, they just turn up, they just rock up. I've heard so many of you, you, Bill, Colin, other people associated with the food bank saying oh, well such and such just rocked up and that's the way it should be that's 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 the essence in the castle united isn't it that's the the club city community thing that we all strive for and it's still there yet the people that ha- harness it is us but also s- many people inside the club still there's still a heartbeat there which has got to give everybody hope
0: yeah absolutely yeah. The other reason that uh, we're not live tonight of course is uh, we didn't want to do a, a two double shifts Not just that I'm uh, out having my four four man and woman suorio uh, to uh, God <laughs> talk about that as a Christmas do <laughs> four, It's just crazy but we've also got the big launch of uh, We Are The Geordies Which of course I've been promoting uh, uh, all week and we've been pushing on the, the show for the last couple of weeks uh, But it's a big premiere tonight and sadly it's not uh, tuxedos and uh, and uh, mm. a glass of Prosecco on arrival uh, Steve, it's, uh, it's It's online, sadly think,
2: Yeah, you can still you can still provide Your own champagne and your own canapes If you want, and if you want to watch it Tomorrow, um, there's uh, plenty of Links on Twitter and Facebook uh, Where you can uh, book a slot And, um, you know, we're, we're going to be Raising money for the food bank at the same time um, And if you want to watch And you want to wear a black tie uh, and, and tuxedo, then Hey, why not? Make it make an evening of it you know we can't get out the house let's dress up and make, a, make an evening of it and we're gonna be we're gonna be having a premiere um george colton is, is is our host tomorrow night and um,
0: george was involved right well, it's tonight. tonight it's tonight steve don't forget don't forget what pre-recording is to so do it's tonight tonight
2: yeah. tonight yeah um george is george is our host um, and we've got uh we're gonna have well, we're going to hear from, from a, a number of people about how the film went, was put together and we're going to have actually an opportunity to watch the film. I've seen it myself this week, um, sat down uh, for the full 92 minutes, but it lasts 90, 90 minutes plus the extra two while we waited for uh, that result to come through um, with Aston Villa um, against Brighton um, and the, the excitement and euphoria that came at the end of that. Um, this is not a, a, a video of a match, by the way, uh, for people. This is something totally different. This is something I've never seen before. This is uh, the story of a football club, the love of a football club by supporters. Why we love our football club. And I'll defy anybody who, after they've watched it, can't sit there and put themselves in the same seat and using the same words as the 11 people that were followed during that particular season. Um, uh, it, it sent a shiver down my spine watching it. The fact that we were in the football club, ground, I was watching fans enjoying themselves. I was watching euphoria in St James's Park. Something that we mentioned last week that we've never had the opportunity to do um, since last March, um, and it's 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 brought back what we've been missing. You know, mm. it certainly brought back to me what I've been missing. Um, I was quite nonplussed. Um, during the whole of this COVID situation about going back to St. James's Park. I I, I felt as though I wasn't missing it. I watched this film yesterday, and uh, boy, do I want to get back into St. James's Park again. Um, And let's hope once we all get the vaccine and we all get the opportunity, which I think realistically is probably next season now, before we we get anywhere near Mm -hmm. full houses. Um, But if we can recreate what we've created in the past inside St. James's Park with flags, and with excitement and with uh, excitement on the pitch as well as off the pitch, and with yes, the angst that goes with it. Um But it's it, it, it'll, you'll get your buzz back after watching yeah. this film. You'll certainly get your buzz back.
0: No doubt about it, Mitch. It's uh, we've talked about it on the show last week as well. But just great to see your dad involved in it, and obviously your little yeah. cameo role in it as well. But Steve's right, isn't it? It it, it does it does you know it. it Zara struggled massively with James to get this you know, anywhere near yeah. where it is uh, you know, tonight with a premiere But she's done it and it, it's almost as if it's happened for a reason That this this film has come out now when we've all been away from St James's Park for so long
1: I, I did a little piece this week with the Arab News out here with a journalist Ali Khaled Who's a um, big Liverpool fan and a big friend of Geordie's actually, he knows quite a lot of the Geordie's out here uh and spends a lot of time with the geordies out here and so i tapped him up and said look can we get get this film pushed in the region please and he was 200 percent behind it um and he picked up on that he picked up on the the whole poignancy of this has been released at quite an appropriate time when everybody is a football fan himself included just wants to be back in Anfield. He wants to be back in Anfield. He wants to be on a plane to Liverpool, to, to Manchester, cross on the train to Liverpool and go and see his team play. Because he, he's fortunate enough to be in a job that lets him do that on a regular basis. We want that. I'll One of the first things you you lads know, one of the first things I'll do once everything's back to normal is I'll be back on a bloody plane and sod anything else, the first thing I'll do is I'll be in St James's Park. There's nothing be the beats... second
2: thing, actually. The first thing you'll be in the strawberry, the second thing you'll be
1: in St.
3: James's Park. Well
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> technicalities, Mr. Hasty, technicalities. Um there's nothing I would give like more than to walk through the turnstile. You could blindfold me. Kidnap us and stickers inside st james's park and i would tell you where i was from the smell the sound the touch of the touch of the handrail up the stairs i'd know exactly where i was and do i miss it oh hell yeah absolutely and that's from what four thousand miles away mm-hmm. and and the, the It's not just the fact that I'm 4,000 miles away, it's the fact that I'm 4,000 miles away and I can do sod all about getting back there at the moment. And and so what this film does, to see basically my dad being filmed in the seat I should be sat in next to him, (laughs) um, yeah, hurts. But also fills us with joy also fills us with joy and hope and all the things and and you guys will see what i have put up with all my life
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i make no apologies for showing uh i'm not going to just show one but i'm going to show both clips uh first of all this one which is uh captures the atmosphere brilliantly the, uh, the atmosphere which of course we're all missing and, uh, for me i say
4: it's a challenge more than a problem
3: because uh, you have to perform, you have to do well, and for our players it has to be the same. So we have to go there with the idea that this is a normal game, try to get three points, but the atmosphere
1: will be so hot that uh, we have to enjoy more than uh, have problems with
3: that.
0: Great stuff, and uh, that captures the atmosphere. And of course, uh, one of our NUFC UFC matters regulars, um, the man who started the show with me uh, a couple of a couple of seasons ago when we tried it out, uh, Super Mac talking about uh, the Newcastle United fans.
4: I came from Luton um, to here, and I think our highest gate in in a league match was something like about eight and a half thousand people. And I came here, and it was a full house, over fifty thousand, and. Uh, and I, I, I scored the first goal which equalised Liverpool's goal This on my he- home debut and, uh, um, and at one each with about ooh, 10 or 12 minutes to go before half time, Terry Hibbett slid a beautiful ball through to me and I, and I, I turned and went round uh, Larry Lloyd all in one movement and cracked it across into the, into the far top corner past Ray Clements and the players went wild and the crowd went wild and as as we started running back to the to the halfway line to get the game restarted everybody in unison in the whole ground other than the Liverpool supporters that is the few that were there everybody started singing and it was from the hit song at the time in London, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, but the words were changed and they were singing Supermac Superstar, how many goals have you scored so far? And I thought, how do 50,000 people all around the stadium know the words to a song that's never been written? You know, were they handing song sheets out before the game? And that's the magic. Of Newcastle United supporters and I've never met it anywhere else in this country or around the world, wherever I've gone to play football.
0: Great stuff and uh, honestly that film You know I've already seen some of the reviews Coming in on social media and uh, Yeah I'm looking forward to seeing it myself But um, it's fantastic and uh, Well done to Zara, well done to James Uh, So pleased that they managed to get uh, You know get it this far And um, you know hard work and determination And a little help from your friends uh, Goes a long way in this life And um, she's got plenty of friends as she knows And uh, I'm glad that we've been able to give it plenty Promotion so if you haven't already bought it Please buy it, please book it, please download it All the usual streams Get yourself a DVD, there's nothing better than a good old fashioned DVD anyway um, But yeah, go, you know, go to WeAreTheJordies.com and order yours today Go on Mitch
1: We know the blood, sweat and tears that have gone into that Quite literally
0: <laughs> Quite literally
1: Because yeah. um, we, we, we sometimes have been the one you know, Listening to, 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 to the problems and trying to help them solve it And to see their passion project, the thing that they've chucked so much into, in every way you can imagine, in every way you can chuck something into something, they've done it. Um, And to see it at this point, and to get a global exposure, oh yeah, that's brilliant, and I'll cheer Elliot for them all day long.
0: And well New done, York. well Street done Street. to Newcastle United as well for cooperating with them yes. and, and and helping them do it because we, we can knock Newcastle plenty times. We're well done to, to the likes of Lee Marshall at the club, who's a bit of an unsung hero yeah. in my old position as Fansley. Is an officer, of course, um, and uh, he does everything. He's uh, Fansley is an officer, bottle washer, media man, you name it. He's done quite a few jobs since he came to the club. But one thing he has been has been pretty good friend to uh, yes. you know a lot of the supporters. Um, Hard job to be. Uh, it's a hard job to be someone who is involved at the football club uh, in his position and balancing that between the hierarchy and the fans. But if everybody was as good as Lee Marshall, things probably would have been a lot better under Mike Ashley.
1: Absolutely, hundred percent. I've I've had the pleasure of having a couple of pints with him over here um, because he's got family over here, you know, and he, he took time out from a holiday to come and have a couple of beers with me, you know. Who the hell am I at the end of the day, really? Um, but that's the kind of thing he does. Um yeah. and, and I see some very unfair things said about him, and that's got to stop, and it's got to stop now. That's a guy who was 100% behind the club, 100% with the fans, and if you engage with him in a manner that is right and proper, you'll get that back all day long.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, I'm sure you'll agree with that as well. You've had lots of uh, dealings with Lee over the years. Yeah, absolutely. You
2: know, um, it's genuine as to be as love. You know, um, and a great lad. And I know that I know that the effort and the hard work that him and his media team put in. Um, I know that the hard work he did when he first started, uh, and how important he saw the role of the fans players on. All the the work that we did to try and get the fans forum started um it took 18 months um of of pushing and casual and him doing the work behind the scenes with the football club to get us to that point yeah uh, and that's that's it that's very very important and i think people have forgotten that uh you know when it, when push comes to shove um a lot of the work that the fans forum did and a lot of the answers the fans forum got um eventually because of the, of the you know, even Newcastle United had its own lockdown, didn't it? It had its own media lockdown for years, uh, <laughs> and even even the even the fans, the the, the the press, um, at one I'll point see. relying on the answers that the fans forum uh, to the questions the fans forum raised.
1: Steve, um, Steve, there was times even the press office I didn't know what the hell was going on. When I think about the think about the St James's Park and crowbar incident, you know, right? oh yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great lad. Um, uh, but there are there are many, many other unsung uh, yes. heroes at the football club that that uh, you know that deserve the credit. We um, get getting back to the film. I mean, what people don't realise is there's an awful lot of work uh, went following fans around the country. Um yeah. It's not just it's not just filming sites in Jim's Park that we've seen on the little clips. You know, uh, whether it was Huddersfield or Brighton or Blackburn, or, you know James and Zara and the crew—they—they they went everywhere. They went on—they went on train trips with with supporters. They went in—they went in their own cars. They went with other supporters in their cars. They went on the on the coaches with uh, with the with the, the fans from you know on the GH travel and, and the back page. They went on on trips all around the country, um, and you'll see that in the footage um you know as the film progresses because it's literally a story stepping through the full uh the full season um of the promotion you know when we didn't when we i don't think people realize how important it was for that club for our club
1: mm-hmm. to
2: go up first time if we hadn't have gone up first time i dreaded to think where we would have been and there were times during that season where it didn't look like we were going to make it you know there were times mm-hmm. where we went through some bad periods the time over christmas where we, we, we struggled to put results together um right. the time when when rapper was asking for players in january that he didn't get um you know the the disappointment that rapper had to suffer um and the rest of the squad had to suffer when he didn't get the promises that were made coming to fruition or the promises that he that he anticipated coming to fruition um for one reason or another and we don't go into the, into the whys and wherefores we just we just see the impact that it had at that particular time and then how this how the squad then uh regroup and how it got through to, to to actually you know connecting and getting promotion and then that final day and that euphoria of that final day where it takes it, and having that story through that said and, and and told through the fans um is as i said right at the very beginning anyone who's doesn't feel the hairs on the back of their neck standing up and getting a tear in their eye at some point during that 92 minutes then they really need to take a look at themselves quite frankly (laughs) because they've got something emotionally wrong with them (laughs) and i I don't mean that in a in a a disparaging way I, i mean it in a you know a very very pleasant day um but it's it's get the get the dvd and you'll 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 experience it and you can come back and tell me if i'm wrong
0: well, good luck to uh, James and Zara tonight, and uh, hope everybody who tunes in enjoys it. And let's hope there's a few more quid made for the food bank. Uh, slightly shorter show this week, um, as I say, would have been a pre-record. Uh, just going to look ahead to uh, Newcastle United against West Brom. I'm glad to say that we have got a game uh, this weekend and uh it's a three o'clock kickoff on a saturday and as we're pre-recording this lads obviously we haven't had steve bruce's uh press conference but um i think the only question i really want to ask you about that is uh, mitch um glad <laughs> like to see him if he can i suppose remain with a 442 and, and and you know if joe linton and callum wilson are both fit then potentially start them up front because the team we're playing concedes goals like they're going out of fashion so um you know this is a time really for Playing on the fun front, uh, front foot, and, and, and essentially getting the um you know getting the goals that we need to, to win this game. You know we should yeah. really attack. We should really attack West Brom tomorrow.
1: Should do, but you know is he gonna gonna roll the random wheel of death and put people in bloody different positions? Who knows? Uh, I hope not. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, let's let's work with it. It it um it worked against Crystal Palace. Yeah, we we you know. Again, it comes back to the the, the smash and grab at the end of it. Or that may be controversial to say that at the moment, given last week's conversation. Who knows? Um, But, you know, given the way it worked out in the end, um, you've got to say uh, Joe Linton and and Wilson looked comfortable together up front. Uh, And it looked like it worked, um, amongst other things. And uh, West Brom have looked vulnerable at times this season. The, 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 they're a little bit swashbuckly, you know, they'll go for it, but then they concede. And so we, we sh- if we set up the same way, there's no reason why we can't at least look to put the goalkeeper under a bit of pressure if we've got two strikers. So yeah, I'd, I'd be all for that. I'd be all for sticking with that formation, but obviously that depends on who's fit, who's had COVID, who hasn't, um, who's available. Um, it looks like this, the press seem to be touting Richie for this game all of a sudden out of nowhere it makes me wonder is that because they know that people who would be in the team are missing because of Covid and he's now back to fitness and he's one of the options we'll have I, I don't know I like Matt Richie, I like him in the team because he gives a shit
0: <laughs> yeah mate. too at
1: the end of the day he gives a shit right. let's
0: let's right. about it He is right, Steve, isn't he? Matt Ritchie is somebody who grafts And, and, you know, he's one of my favourite players at the club But, unfortunately, you know, Rafa always used to take him off um, You know, occasionally dropped him But, you know, Bruce has been a little bit, you know, wishy-washy with him, hasn't he? It's it's certainly not his favourite player Yeah,
2: he had had that injury early doors uh, that that not on for six But, uh, I mean, Bruce brought him on on, uh, at Palace He came on um and i'm not saying he turned the game but certainly his presence um allowed joe linton to, to to actually work that front line across the front line he didn't he didn't just concentrate on the left-hand side and i think that if anything unsettled and unnerved the uh the palace uh back four um and i think you know when you were talking there about about how well wilson and, and felt wilson and joe linton work i think having a richie uh, coming in on the left-hand side did free up Joel Linton to that to that extent to allow him to push on a little bit, but then not just concentrate on like an inside left position or an inside right. Yeah. He moved and he walked he worked around uh Wilson. And Wilson's an intelligent footballer anyway, and Wilson knows that, you know, if he sees Joe Linton, if he makes a run and he can drag people out, then he's going to make the space for Joe Linton. And that's what happens with the second goal. That they, they interacted well, they played the, the nice little one-two, the nice little passing game, and then uh, made the space for each other. And, and, and you know, we, we, we got the rewards with the goal, um, the second goal. So, yeah, I can understand exactly why you feel as though you're staying with a back four. Staying with a, four, a solid four midfield and, and staying with the two up front. Let's see how it works. What, what will be interesting is if we'd manage to do that, and we have got most of, the, most of the players that were there in the last game, is that we're then starting to put something together. You know, it, mm. Maybe that's yeah. what Bruce has been lacking. Maybe he hasn't had the personnel or he hasn't had the, the, the opportunity to put that together. Putting out uh, the same team, putting out the same formation. Just maybe, even if he has to change one or two, but the formation's is exactly the same. But they've worked on it. I was going to say they've worked on it in training. They <laughs> haven't been turning up on training, you know. They've worked on it. They've worked on it by Zoom. <laughs> is that how I they assume. do it? By <laughs> Zoom.
0: Classic. Okay, quick, quick one, lads. Predictions. Mitch, your prediction for the game against West Brom tomorrow. Two one us. Okay, Steve, you?
2: Um, West Brom, Canada, uh, they're leaking goals for for fun. Struggling to score.
0: Um, I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0, okay. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win as well. And uh, great great stuff, lad. And
1: and Stuart Penman will have 3-1. 3-1
0: yeah you will do yeah Um, As always we will play out with our video For our campaign Think before you tweet And uh, as I mentioned on last night's show The documentary is now finished It runs at two hours Um, We just want to uh, get one last little thing finalised Which is the music which we're going to use for it We've got a big name star Who uh, is very behind this campaign And uh, is I think going to allow us to use One of his songs Which which we'll hopefully confirm over the weekend But uh, yeah it will be released on the 15th as I say, a two-hour documentary, really pleased with it. But we're just saying, think before your tweet, be a little bit kinder on social media, um, and and just try and you know be be a bit more supportive to people And uh, social media is such a good thing It may be used for so many positive things We've seen the work that we've done um, And other people have done with the food bank for instance in, Amongst the fan base and, and And social media should be used in that way uh, We can be a very supportive bunch when we want to be We're just asking people to think before the tweet uh, Steve, Mitch I'll let you go and get your hair done For the, uh, the film premiere uh, Enjoy it tonight lads And we'll see you next week Take care lads Take
1: care Take everyone up. Think before you tweet.
0: Think before you tweet. Think
3: before you tweet. Think before you tweet. Think
2: before you tweet.
3: Please just think before you tweet.
4: Think before you tweet. Think before you tweet.
0: Think before you tweet.
4: Think before you tweet.
0: Think
1: before you tweet.
0: Think before you tweet. Think before you tweet.
4: Think before you tweet. Think before you tweet. Think before you tweet.
0: Think before you tweet.
1: Think before
3: you tweet. Think before 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 you tweet.